Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Hey, Blake does so much more than just music. We had this awesome thing this week. I don't know, how many of you came to the Priscilla Shirer thing? A lot, mostly women. But uh, it was fantastic. And let me tell you, this guy right here and Elizabeth and Wendy and their team, unbelievable how they had it organized, what they did. We appreciate you so much. It was a great gift to the community. I got to say, I got my feelings hurt a little bit. I walked out and there's a line out this door going all the way around the crosses, all the way out here. And I looked at that and I was like, I talk every week for free. (laughs) There ain't no line. Don't get no line. What's the deal? (laughs) No, it was a great evening. And golly, what a powerful spirit in this room. And uh, thank you for all of you guys that volunteered and helped. You guys look awesome this morning. Um, And I was thinking about my high school years as I was thinking about y'all. And, you know, it's safe to say that at Denison High School, I didn't run around with a bunch of rocket scientists. In fact, probably the opposite. What what the opposite of a rocket scientist, that was my friends. Uh, Probably better fits that description, dazed and confused. We had this one guy that everybody called Studley. I don't even know why. We all called him Studley. He was a short guy, kind of a wiry guy, real intense, but a lot of fun and doing all kinds of crazy things. And Studley learned this trick. And please, in telling this story, nobody go home and do this, Okay. But Studley had learned this trick that if you take the foil part of a gum wrapper and you fold it up just so to make it to where it will fit into a light socket, you could then bend the the foil thing into like a U shape. And if you bent down and you were super careful about how you stuck it in, because you have to be careful, if you stick it in too far, you're going to make contact and you don't want to do that. He would just barely stick it in, then he would stand up and he would kick it and boom, the light socket would blow, smoke would come out, sparks would come out. So at school, anytime a teacher left the room, Studley would do his thing. And he'd gather a crowd of 10 or 15 kids around, and we're all watching because we weren't, you know, we didn't have Nintendo. That was all we had in the old days, in the dark ages. And Studley would do that thing. Well, one day, I'm walking down the hall with my best friend, Crawford. And we couldn't be out in the hall without what they called a hall pass. You had to have this yellow slip of paper. If you didn't have it, it would cost you. They, they would bust you for anything. That means they'd spank you. They'd, Hit you with a board. Ah, that's going to cost you five. It's going to cost you three. It's going to cost you one. I was in the day. They didn't care if, you know, there weren't any rights. You know, they just beat you. And uh, we looked up. We're walking down the hall, and, and there's Coach Barnes. And Crawford sees him first. He says, quick. He grabs me. We turn a corner. We run into a room. And it just so happens, true story, the room we run into, the teacher's not there and Studley is overdoing his thing in a corner by a light socket with about 10 kids gathered around him. And just as we dive into that room and Studley's just about to stick that thing in, you know, he's got to be careful. Coach Barnes follows us into the room. He's the assistant principal, sort of the disciplinarian. And somebody yells, Coach Barnes, and Studley looks up just as he sticks the thing in, and boom, Studley falls back on his smoke coming out of the deal, sparks, everything. He's laying on his back. True story. Coach Barnes walks over, looks down at him. Studley looks up and says, well, hello, Dr. Barnes. 
And Coach Barnes looks and he goes, well, I guess that's punishment enough. And then he starts to leave the room. And as he leaves the room, he says, die, Crawford, come with me. And so that was another time in the office with him. But I got to thinking about that. And I realized Studley was one of my very best friends from seventh grade all the way through high school. And he had as much influence over my life as anyone I know. And then I, I thought about that. I'm following a guy that sticks gum wrappers in wall sockets. What does that say about me? And I got to say, some of you guys are like my buddy Studley. You're, you're going to spend your life sticking gum wrappers in wall sockets, trying to make things, but not literally, but figuratively. And some of you guys are like me. You're following guys like that. Here's two insights I've learned. First, the consequences of being dumb and making dumb decisions get worse as you get older. You get away with some stuff when you're younger, but it gets worse as you get older. And secondly, you don't naturally outgrow being dumb. You're just not going to outgrow it. You have to be intentional. And if you're following dumb people, you're going to do dumb stuff. And the more dumb stuff you do, the more cumulative it becomes until you live a life that you never intended to live. And so I wanted to take the word. We're going to start in John 1, which is what we've been studying lately. And I, I want you to see two things this morning. I want, first of all, you to realize how important it is who you choose to follow. And secondly, I want to challenge you to pursue a calling not a career. And we see both of these in John chapter one. So let's pick up the first one. Be careful who you follow because we're all following someone. We follow our friends. We follow a teacher or a professor. We follow a celebrity or a personality. You have all these micro influencers in the world today and everybody's dressing like them and trying to look like them, think like them, act like them. And you know, everybody's following somebody. And the saddest part is, is that we seldom really think through who it is that we're following. It just seems to carry us along with, by inertia. You know, I never deliberately, intentionally set out to go, you know, I'm going to make Studley my mentor. He just became my friend, and by virtue of my friend and proximity to me emotionally and psychologically and spiritually, he became the, the key influencer of my life. That's the way it works. I'll, I'll never forget a story I read about a young girl named Lynette Alice Fromm. That name's meaningless to most of you. Her nickname was Squeaky. And some of you older guys remember Squeaky Fromm, don't you? Squeaky Fromm grew up in a middle to upper middle class California home. Not an abusive situation, not, you know, one of these terrible home lives where mama's run into the bars and daddy's long gone and all that stuff. Not that at all. Her dad was an aerospace engineer. And early in her life, she made straight A's. It was kind of a straight-laced family, and Dad was bouncing around different places pursuing his career. And then this is the 60s, the 70s, California, the drug culture, drug scene, you know, tune in, turn on, tune out, however that thing goes. And, and so she gets caught up in that. Her grades begin to drop. She barely passes high school. And her dad persuades her to go to a community college. She goes, but the drug thing's got a hold of her, and she... Uh, flunks out of community college, lots of big arguments, lots of fights with dad. Finally, dad's had enough. He kicks her out of the house. So she's homeless. And she's struggling with depression. She's sitting on a curb one day and she's watching buses come and people step off of the buses. 
True story. You can look this up. She's uh, sitting there and out steps a guy named Charles Manson. And Manson stepped off the bus, looked at Squeaky Fromm and, and said to her, your parents threw you out, didn't they? And then he walked away. And Squeaky Fromm picked up her belongings and followed him. And it ruined her life. All because of a series of terrible decisions that led to following the wrong guy. Look, here's the thing, and here's what I want you to get a hold of. And not only for high school and college grad, this stuff has no term limit. There's no retirement age on wisdom and who you follow. I'm still following people. You're still following people. Doesn't matter how old you are. And here it is. There's only one person in this universe that's worthy of your life. His name is Jesus. Follow him. And if you're following someone else who's pulling you away from Jesus, then you need to stop following that person. John chapter 1. Uh, let me set the scene for you. John the Baptist is baptizing people uh, on the southern end of the Jordan River, just above the Dead Sea, so it's in the southern part. Now remember, Jesus is from Galilee in the north. Uh, people are coming from all over to see John, to hear John. He's this, this prophetic voice that's come. Now Jesus shows up, and when John sees Jesus, he immediately becomes deferential. It's like, hey, here's the guy. This is the guy. I'm not the guy. This is the guy. Um, this is the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. Uh, I'm not worthy to untie his shoelace. You know, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus steps up and says, baptize me. And so John baptizes Jesus. And, and a, a dove descends and John tells everybody, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the guy. And uh, right after that, Jesus starts to collect his disciples. And there are six disciples, six names that are mentioned uh, in this story today, really five that are in the account of John that I want us to focus on. But really, I want us to focus on just uh, the four of those uh, five or six, okay? Um, and there are two sets of brothers. There's James and John, who were brothers, James the older, John the younger. And then there was Peter and Andrew. Again, Peter the older, Andrew the younger. Two sets of brothers. These guys knew each other. They were partners in a fishing business on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And so these guys are involved in this story, okay? Um, and we don't know where the fourth one was. James isn't there. Peter, Andrew, and John are down there. James is probably, James was called the elder, so he's probably the oldest of all of them. So he's doing what firstborns always do, the right thing, right? So he's back up in Galilee, probably helping his daddy Zebedee with the fishing business. John chapter 1, verse 35. And the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, not the writer of the Gospel of John. John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. Now, we know from the context that these two disciples were Andrew and John. So they were the two younger brothers of these two sets of brothers. And uh, we just know contextually that's who it was. And they were disciples of John. So apparently, the spiritual hunger had led them to connect with John in some way. Um, and so in verse 36, and he, that is John the Baptist, looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold the Lamb of God, which was a, a part of the calling of Jesus Christ, Lamb of God being the sacrificial lamb who's going to take away the sins of the world, prophetically speaking. This is the second time he said this, only this time when he says it, Andrew and John hearing. And so they immediately want to begin to follow him. They're like, hey, wait a second. We're attached to John the Baptist, but he's not the guy. This guy's the guy. We need to follow the guy, right? And so look what happens next. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned around and saw them following. He said to them, what do you seek? Typical Jesus. He takes the initiative. 
This is always the way it is. It's like Augustine said, we could not even have begun to seek for God unless He'd already found us. And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated as teacher, where are you staying? So Jesus turns around and it's like, what do you seek? Well, they're not seeking really where he stays, you know. They're kind of at a distance, a bit in awe. Jesus is this celebrity. They, they want to get near him. They'd like a conversation with him, but they don't want to impose, you know. So they're keeping this healthy distance. Jesus turns around and like, what are you guys seeking? Well, where are you staying, Jesus? That's not really what they're after, but it seems to be the safest way to get at it. And so Jesus said, come and you will see. This is verse 39. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. So James, I mean, uh, John and Andrew wind up hanging out with Jesus all day. How cool would that be? They got a whole day with Jesus. And then the next day or later that day, Andrew goes and gets his big brother Simon, verse 41, and he found his... Uh, own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. So Messiah is the anointed. Christ is the Greek version of that. And he, that is Andrew, brought him, that is Simon, to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, Simon Barjona. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And this is a beautiful play on words, you know, uh, if Peter's name is derived from the Hebrew, it was Simeon, which means the one who hears, which is ironic because Peter didn't listen to anybody. If it was derived from the Greek, the Greek word for Peter, for, uh, for Simon, is, uh, is small stone, crushed stone like gravel or river stone. And so Jesus says to him, you're going to be called Cephas or Peter, which doesn't mean crushed stone or small stone gravel. You're going to be the stone. In fact, later on when that happens, he becomes the foundational stone. And there's this beautiful idea that I'm going to take your messed up life that's all broken rocks, and I'm going to turn it into the kind of rock that can support anything. And oftentimes when God would do a work with a person and they would have an experience with God, he'd change their name, you know. Saul became Paul, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's what's going to happen with Simon. He's going to become known as Peter, but not yet. Not now. Notice the tense of the verb. You shall be called Cephas, Peter. In other words, Peter had had an experience with Jesus, but he hadn't committed to following him. This is going to happen in the future, and it would happen in the future. They're at a place called Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asked the disciples, who do they say I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. By then, John the Baptist had been killed, and they thought he was like a resurrected John the Baptist. Others say he's a prophet. He said, who do you say I am? And Peter makes this statement. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father has revealed this to you. He said, you're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Peter Petros, the rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And there's this beautiful idea of him taking that life and putting it together into something substantial. But here's the difference. When Peter makes that testimony later at Caesarea Philippi, he says, you are Peter. But in this case, he says, you will be. Not yet. Uh, in other words, Peter had an experience, but he hadn't, hadn't committed to following him. The next day, Jesus heads back to, to uh, the north to Galilee, uh, but first he picks up Philip and Nathanael. If you look at verse 43, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. 
And so Philip's like, okay, I'll follow, but I want to go get my buddy Nathaniel. And so he goes to find Nathaniel. Verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel. Nathaniel's sitting under a tree eating a fig, you know. And he said, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> I love that. See, Nathaniel, his name is Bartholomew in the other gospels, but in this case, Nathaniel he says, can anything good come? See, he was from Cana, and Cana's in Galilee. Nazareth was kind of the big city in Galilee. It's kind of the, the 4A school. This is kind of a high school football thing, I think, going on. You got a 4A high school football team in Nazareth. You got maybe a 2A, 3A school over here in Cana. They hate those Nazarenes, you know, the Nazarene pirates or whatever they are. And so it's, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of like what we do here, you know. You got Washita and you got West Monroe, and is can anything good come out of West Monroe? And the West Monroe people have got the Neville thing going on. Can anything good come out of Forsyth Avenue? Philip doesn't even answer him. He just says, Come and see. And when Nathaniel, Bartholomew, walks up to Jesus, Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, and it it rocks his world. It blows his mind. He can't believe it. He's like, I'm dealing with a prophet here. And Jesus said, if that, if that messed you up, boy, get ready because I'm about to show you stuff that's going to rock your whole world. I'm going to teach you about what comes out of Nazareth. You're about to find out, son, what comes out of Nazareth. You're going to see things you never imagined. And so Philip and Nathaniel followed Jesus. But here's the question. There are five guys in this story. Remember? There's Peter. They're called Simon at the time. There's Andrew. There's John those three out of the four fishing buddies, and then there's Philip and Nathaniel. These two followed Jesus. What happened to those other three? Where'd they go? What'd they do? Well, let me show you something, okay? We've got to go to Matthew to see this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, which is in the north, remember, he was going back to Galilee. He took Nathaniel and Philip with him. Where'd those other guys go? Well, they went back to, to Galilee. They went back to their business. They went back to fishing. Um, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, already met Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And I want to go, stop, wait a second. If they already knew Jesus from their encounter in John 1, then why aren't they already following him? And here's what I think. I think they met Jesus, but they didn't follow him because they were already following someone else. And you're like, well, who were they following? Well, they were partners in a fishing business with James and John. And James and John had a daddy named Zebedee. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. Zebedee was one of these large and in charge guys. He was, um, uh, Jesus one time called James and John the sons of thunder. Now, he's not calling James and John thunder. He's calling them the sons of thunder. What's that mean? Well, that means that Zebedee is thunder. And so I've got an immediate mental picture of Zebedee. This is a large man who is used to being in charge, who people do not say no to. You know, he reminds me of that country western song. She had a daddy with a, that, with a heart like a nine-pound hammer. Might have even done a little time in the slammer. You know that one? What was I thinking? Let's Zebedee. 
And you just don't see. And these boys grew up at Zebedee's table, you know. Uh, obviously, James and John did. They were his kids. But Peter and Andrew are those, those adopted kids that are just always around the house raiding the refrigerator. And Zebedee's the big guy. And Zebedee has created this lucrative fishing business. And he has expected these boys to take over the business when he's done. You're going to do what Zebedee says. And that's what they were doing. They were following their old boss. Nobody crossed Zebedee. Besides, they'd made a lot of money following Zebedee. Life was good, but it was pointless. And so instead of following the Spirit, they just followed their old boss, which is what a lot of people do. Be careful with that. There is not a more important decision that you will make in your life than who you follow. Second thing is pursue a calling and not just a career. You're like, well, what's the difference? Here it is. A career will give you a comfortable life. A calling will give you a meaningful life. That's the difference. Never settle for a career without a calling. I mean, that's the mistake Simon, Andrew, James, and John were making. Following Zebedee was giving them a comfortable life, but it wasn't giving them a meaningful life. They were interested in spiritual things, but they were committed to their career. Do you feel the difference? That's why they were down at the Jordan. They were interested in spiritual things. Everybody's hearing about John the Baptist and all the stuff that's going down there, and they're attracted to the circus atmosphere. And and, uh, Andrew and uh, John get so caught up in it that they actually commit themselves to be disciples of John. But now here's the caveat. Only on the weekends. Only on the weekends. They couldn't afford to let their spiritual hunger get in the way of their work. And guys, that's normal. That's what's happening all around us. You get an education, you chase the money, you get the F-250 or the Denali, and you get the house in the good neighborhood, and you you take the killer vacations, you, you you hit the gym, you battle aging, all of that, wear nice clothes, slay some big animals, put some heads on the wall. You know, you got it. You slay. <laughs> and you give Jesus part of your weekend if you don't have something more important that you're doing. Life is good until it's not. And one day you realize that all that stuff you thought was going to fill you up isn't very fulfilling. Job's a drag, the husband's a drag, life's a drag, something's missing. What, what's missing? Here's what's missing. The calling. The call. You got a career, but not a calling. That's where James, Peter, Andrew, and John were. I mean, and then here comes Jesus, and he extends the call. He said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. That's Peter and, Peter and uh, Andrew. They dropped their nets and followed him. But look, he keeps going. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee. And, and, and look, the Bible is beautiful about its economy of words. It doesn't waste words. So if it inserts son of Zebedee, that's an important feature of this conversation. Zebedee is the key feature in what's going on in their life. He is the 500-pound gorilla, the, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets And here we go again. And he called them. And look what they did this time. Verse 22. Immediately they left the boat. Now, when Peter and Andrew followed the call, they left their nets. When James and John followed the call, they left their nets. 
And what else? Look what it says. They left the boat, what? And their father. In other words, they're changing, they're changing bosses. They're changing who they're choosing to follow. And notice it's immediate. It's immediate. Why is it immediate? Because they've been, this thing's been working on them. The Spirit's been working on them. They got introduced to Jesus over in John 1. They went home to Galilee and tried to get back to life as usual, but there's something going on now, and they, they begin to look at things differently. And if they get another chance, they're not going to miss this second chance. Jesus says, follow me. <laughs> Immediately, they drop the nets and follow. And they stopped chasing a career and started following a calling. And it changed their life. And it changed your life. It changed my life. I mean, I know God is sovereign and He can use whomever He wills. And had, he, had these guys said no to Jesus, He would have lifted someone else up. But, but we would have never known about them. And the fact that they did what they did and they followed Jesus resonates with us right down to this day. We know Jesus because they followed Him. And we know their name 2,000 years after the fact. We're still whispering their name in reverence for men who were willing to drop the nets and follow Jesus. And they refused to pursue the career. They pursued the calling. And I get so worried about you guys because you're, you're planning career, but you're not listening for the calling. And a career without a calling is an empty thing. Now, look, this doesn't mean you've got to be a pastor. Some of you will be called to ministry, and we need people in ministry more than ever. Some of you will be called to foreign lands to serve Christ. Most of you will be called to stay where you are, and you'll be called to the medical field, and you'll be called into construction or the pipeline or business or teaching, whatever it is. Here's what you've got to recognize. Whatever God gives you for a career becomes a platform for His calling. Whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. It becomes your calling. And you need to look at yourself and look and say, God, how can I pursue your purposes in this field of endeavor that I'm engaged in? And when you look at it like that, you find that rather than spending a life doing dumb stuff, <laughs> this still cracks me up, sticking foil wrappers, and light sockets. I'm trying to think of something dumber than that. It's hard. And when he did that, I was so dumb, I thought it was cool. So these two things keep resonating with me. Be careful who you follow. Man, if it's somebody that leads you away from Jesus, find somebody else to follow. There's only one person in this universe that's worthy of your life. His name is Jesus. Follow him. And then pursue your calling. God has designed you for a purpose. He's gifted you. And he's given you passions and desires and insights. I don't have. Every one of you is better than me in some way. A lot of you are better than me in a lot of ways. And God made you that way. He didn't make everybody to be the same. But whatever he made you to do, he made you to do it for his purpose. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart for the glory of Christ. Don't fall into the trap of having a career without a calling. Because God's got a calling on your life. So I want to ask you two questions. 
first. Who are you following? Who are you following? Do the people in your life pull you toward Jesus or are they trying to drive you from him? If they're trying, you need to find somebody else to follow. Second, what's your calling? In whatever you're doing, how has God called you? And and, and I want to ask you this. Will you ask this question? God, what are you calling me to? Honestly ask it. God, what are you calling me to? And, And will you make this commitment? When God reveals his calling to you, will you drop the nets and leave your father and follow him? You want a real life? You want a meaningful life? Or do you want a comfortable life? Sometimes you can't have both. Would you pray with me right now? I want to pray for you right now. Could I just ask people who are prayers right now, could we just pray for these graduates? Let's just, let's just covenant together and let's lift them up. And here's the prayer. Father, God, these graduates, are they feel like they've ended something, but they really haven't. They're just starting. And uh, God, I pray you would lead them to people who they can follow that will lead them to Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would reveal your calling to them and that they would have the courage of Peter, Andrew, James, and John to drop their nets and follow you. Father, that's not just true for graduates. That's for every one of us. Every day we make these decisions. Who are we going to follow? And will we pursue your calling? And so, Father, we covenant together as a people right now. We say, we will follow you. And we will pursue your calling, wherever that leads. Father, I thank you right now for the victories that are being won in people's hearts and lives. I thank you for that guy in his mid-30s who's been struggling with clarity. I pray, God, right now he's got clarity. I pray, Father, for uh, these graduates starting out. I pray, Father, for those in their 50s and 60s. Had a guy today in his 70s who's, you know, coming to the end of his career life, but realizes he's still got to find a way to, to pursue your calling. I pray for those that are receiving clarity in that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And thank you for this place and the holiness of this moment. In Christ's name, amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.